0: It's the JT the Brick show. They get the snap off. And off Jacobs. That's the first down of big hole. 15 10, five, touchdown Raiders. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Raiders bring a blitz. He is smothered and brought down. Max Crosby. Can- sack. Your silver and black home to sound off for over 20 years. Back to car in the shotgun. Back to pass. Flies the pocket. Eyes downfield. Fires a strike to Montaigne the 25. Breaks away 20, 15, 10, 5. Dives. Touchdown, Raiders. And now, here's JT the Brig.
1: Uh, JT back with you, and we are continuing on the flagship of the Silver and Black. Uh breaking news, the Derek Carr Era with the Raiders is officially over, according to Adam Schefter. Adam Schefter at ESPN just putting this out moments ago. Uh, Raiders officially informed quarterback Derek Carr that he has been released. Per source, team released him before forty point four million in his contract became guaranteed today. Carr is now a free agent and is expected to draw interest from the Saints and Panthers, amongst other teams. Schefter also reported. On a retweet that Carr leaves the Raiders as the franchise's all-time leader in yards, completions, and touchdowns, Carr also finished the 2022 season with the third highest interception rate, 2.8%, and the second lowest red zone completion percentage at 42%. This just coming in moments ago from Ian Rappaport from NFL Network. Uh, The Raiders' release of quarterback Derek Carr is now official. He'll appear on the transaction wire today. He's now a free agent and able to talk to teams before the league year begins. So that's where we're at. Derek Carr's agent, Tim Younger, just put out, we wish the Raiders the best of luck. This is part of the business. That's the point. It's just business. Time now to reset for both sides. Derek chooses to hold on to many good memories and friendships without any ill will. That's who he is. Onward and upward. So those are the last three tweets moments ago. It is official. We'll wait for the Raiders' official response coming up here and what they put out, which I'm assuming will go down in a little bit. And that's where we are. This is the first time on the flagship of the silver and black we are announcing that the Carr era is officially over. And the Raiders will go in a different direction to get a new quarterback, and Derek Carr will move on to another team. You could be the first fans in Raider Nation to react to this at 7.02. Three six five ninety two hundred. I'll repeat what I said in the opening of the show. It is a business transaction. Uh, the Raiders believe that they can do better at quarterback. They hope to do better at quarterback. They hope to get a quarterback that can lead the franchise to a championship. They believe that Derek could do that for almost a decade, and Derek was a fighter. He put up hard for the Raiders. Once a Raider, always a Raider. But that now chapter is officially closed, as the silver and black will move on. I wish Derek well. I wish everybody well. I always have. You know, this will be 24 years just completed with the team. Uh, every player that's come and gone during my tenureship, i wished him well. And even a guy like Jamarcus Russell, who, again, I haven't talked to him. I only spoke to him a few times. I hold no hard feelings or bitterness. I understand my role as a sports talk host, and I understand this is a business. But the Raiders gave Derek Carr a look under the new regime that came in, and they believed that they could do better. How they do better, well, that's what we're going to be talking about for weeks to come or maybe months to come. How do they get a quarterback to come in to Las Vegas who can elevate the team to a higher level, a higher level? You know, Derek's got a lot of records, but not a lot of wins to show for it in the postseason. And I think that's the reason why the Raiders have moved on. There have been problems with the roster. There's been multiple GMs and head coaches over the years. This new group that is entrusted by Mark Davis evaluated Derek Carr, along with many players on this team, that they're letting go. This is officially, the. I think, when you look at the deconstruction of a roster, a lot of people are shocked when it happens while the season's going on. Well, the Raiders were able to do that during the season. Jonathan, whoever the player was that they were able to release and move on from, And Derek Carr, they shut him down with two weeks to go because they didn't want to get him injured. Because if he would have gotten injured, today would have been a day where Derek Carr would have got over $40 in guarantees. And the Raiders believed they just couldn't go there. So Derek had the leverage with his agent of a no-trade clause. He wanted that. The Raiders wanted the ability to get out of the contract. Everybody understands that, right? The Raiders, when they extended him, wanted the ability to have a look after one year and move on from him. And it was a it's a small cap hit going on, and they are now out from under Derek Carr's contract. The question is, what do they do with the 40 plus million that Derek would have gotten if he stayed here? There might have been, you know, some type of a renegotiation or the contract and money being moved around, but they personally believe that they could do better with the money there, and that's where we stand. So, for Derek Carr, he's had a career with the Raiders. There's been a lot of ups and downs along the way, and uh, we are ready to. Go to the next chapter, and I wish Derek and his family, you know, the best of times. I wish them well in their personal life. I I want to make that very important and clear. I wish them well in their personal life with their four beautiful young kids. Derek's wife, what he means to his faith and community, the church that he services here, the church that he will find in another market. Uh, That's all I really can say on that matter. I'm with the Raiders. I want the Raiders to get an upgrade and do better and win more games. And we'll see how that comes about. 702-365-9200. We thank our good friends for joining us this hour from Virgin Hotels. Las Vegas says their sports book is up and running. So a lot of times if you went to Virgin, you want to place a bet, you had to wait. It's official. It's up and running. When you go to Virgin, have a great meal. Watch a sporting event. Their sports book is up and running. And we are proud partners with everything they do over there at Virgin Hotels. All right. Let's start off with Gangster Raider. You're the first caller. You're the first caller in the history of this flagship station with the official news on Derek Carr. Go ahead.
2: Well, I want to tell Derek Carr, thank you for your services, but I think it's time to move on. And um, like like you said, once a Raider, always a Raider. I appreciate his service, but I think it's time to move on. And for all the fans that, that feel some type of way, I don't understand because you play the game to win. You know what I'm saying? We haven't been winning. You know what I'm saying? And Even though... I went back and forth with Derek Carr. I supported him. Then I was against him. But even before we get into last year, remember I called in, JT, I told you. I said I put 100 bucks because the odds was 40-1 to 1 for Derek Carr to win MVP. I said if he doesn't do what he's supposed to do this year and you know be an MVP candidate, we'll move on from him. And look what happened. And I got discouraged because, you know, the first game was in L.A. this year against the Chargers. I went to that game. I took my girl to her first Raider game and in L.A. So we used pumped up about it dude comes out and throw three interceptions and has two fumbles. That's five turnovers by itself. But everybody want to blame the defense, want to blame all these other stuff. You know what I'm saying? Derek Carr has nobody to blame but himself. You know what I'm saying? He was set up for perfect for him to, you know, succeed this year. If he would have succeeded, he'd have got the $40 million or whatever, but he came out and played the way he did. But I want to say also to all the fans that's loyalists are upset about it. Are you a Raider fan or are you a Carr fan? And Carr – he, he lost more games for us than he won. And even though he had all, I think he, what, 21 or 24 comebacks, if he didn't have those comebacks, there'd be even 20 more losses on his record. So I don't understand what are you guys loathing for? You know what I'm saying? Do you want to win or do you not want to win? It's just win, baby. That's Al Davis's slogan. Just win, baby. Commitment to excellence. And Derek Carr didn't exude any of that. You know what I mean? I, I appreciate the time he spent with us, but – he didn't win anything. He didn't even win one playoff game. So all this loyalty to him, and you gonna wear his jersey when when you play another team. Go to the team that he goes to. Then you're really not a Raider fan, Are you a Derek Carr fan, or or you a Raider fan. I'm a Raider fan, and I supported Carr when he was here, and I wanted him to succeed. You know, now that he's not here, I could care less. I mean, I want, I wish him well in life, but as far as football, he he's not trying to help us. So why are we concerned about him? You know, succeeding. And also another thing. All the fans that um, that um, feel some type of way, aren't you? Don't you want to improve? And oh, the way we got to improve is to move on from that contract. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Move on from that contract. We could build up the rest of the team. And I think it's an upgrade with Stidham. You know what I'm saying? We can get an upgrade at a cheaper value with Stidham. You know what I'm saying? I think if Stidham would have started after like game, I mean week two or three, we'd have won at least four or five more games. I believe that. And if Derek Carr would have played against Frisco. I think we'd have got blew out probably 45 to nothing. You know what I'm saying? And also, yeah. if I talk about this character, let's talk about this character. He claimed that he told his best friend that he would buy him a car if he came to the Raiders. He came to the Raiders, and he still hasn't bought him a car. He claimed that he would retire if he wasn't a Raider. He's not a Raider. He's not retiring. Also, he claimed he would leave enough money on that first contract to sign Khalil Mack. That's three lies he told us. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, he's such a good person. You know what I mean? But I, I think he was a fraud, and he was a kind person, okay. and everybody, all of y'all fell for it. But that's just my personal opinion. I, I know he stayed professional the whole time, and I like the way he carried himself, you know, as a um, spokesperson for the league. But as a leader in the locker room, I think we deserve more. I mean, I think he required more, mm-hmm. and that's that was uh, my biggest peeve with him was his leadership and the way he didn't run when it was wide open. It could be, like, wide yeah. open. That was my biggest
1: pet peeve with him, JT. Okay. Uh, You said a lot there. I don't agree with a lot of what you said on the back end there about him as a person. And again, I don't know the scenario of the car and all that. He should have ran more. No one said that more. Appreciate your call than me on the radio. And, you know, I thought he was a good character guy in general. And again, I'm ready to move on to. I thought that I don't think that Stidham would have been better than Carr last year. I don't believe that. With the experience that Carr has, uh, Carr did not play great in a one-year contract deal, even though it was a three-year extension, it was a one-year out, and he didn't do enough to impress the powers that be. And it's hard to do it because the powers that be are in charge now. Had guys like Tom Brady, and when they didn't have Tom Brady for a short period of time, Jimmy Garoppolo played. You know, And we saw Stidham, and they were comfortable with him as a the backup there. But I think Derek Carr, for some people, is a little bit better than the credit he's getting, and for other people, is a little bit worse than the credit he got. Very polarizing figure. In regards to that. But he wasn't polarizing because he got into trouble and he was a bad guy. He was polarizing because the team didn't win enough. And that's what happens when you're a Raider. That's the standard of this team. And everybody who's been around and and really empowered by this team. And you put your name on it. You're a Raider fan. Today is an interesting day. It's a chapter that is closing. And we're all going to have to find a way to move on from it. And I think for some it's going to be very easy to move on from it. For others... It's going to be a little bit difficult, but for most, I think they understand. And even Gangster Raider said he had an opportunity. He had nine years here, accumulated generational wealth, made a lot of money. And overall, I think he lived a really good life as a Raider quarterback. And I know the other ones from Daryl LaMonica. I got to know well before he passed away. The great Tom Flores, former Raider quarterback, Jim Plunkett. I consider a very good friend. I consider Rich Cannon a friend. And when you look at all these quarterbacks, you get judged by winning. That's it. Rich Gannon didn't win a Super Bowl. I watched that Baltimore Bullies documentary. It made my stomach turn that the Raiders were better. I thought they were as good as the greatest defense. Some people say all time they lose 16-3 to because Saragusa falls on Gannon, and Gannon still goes to another Super Bowl or a Super Bowl, and that could have been the Super Bowl they easily won. Quarterbacks are judged by wins and losses. On top of that, Derek's had a lot of bad defenses, below-average defenses, where he couldn't put the team on his back to a higher level to win. And there's equal blame to go around. But I know that the Raiders did not want to pay. The one thing I'm comfortable saying on this, because it's complex, what they could have got, what you think they should get, I believe that the Raiders understood that they did not want to go forward at this price and what the market price will bear for Derek Carr. They need that money to go in another direction. Why do they need that money? You can blame on the former regimes and their bad upper draft picks. You can blame on this current regime for taking this team and only winning six games. There's a lot of blame to go around, but we're all looking to improve on that. And the Derek Carr chapter in Vegas and Oakland is officially closed. Not closed for your phone calls, but it's closed as we move on to the next quarterback. All right, let's get out to 901 Raider in Memphis. You're up next on the flagship. Go ahead.
3: Hey JT, how you doing, partner? I'm okay, thanks. Good, good. Yeah, you know one thing about Derek Carr as a longtime Raider fan since '73. You know we've 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 had these ups and downs, but I really appreciate and respect what Derek Carr brought to the game as a member of Raider Nation. But we all got to face facts. Derek Carr was not has not been the same quarterback since 2016 when he broke his leg. He was a Joe Burrow type quarterback up until that point. The 2017 year, the first season back after the broken leg, uh, I had a friend of mine that played in the NFL that was telling me he kind of was on uh, ahead of what um, Bosa said. He said, Derek Carr, when you get on him and you hit him one good time, it's like he's hearing ghosts. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Derek Bosa was a quarterback at that time, and he was looking more of a pocket. He was not looking to run. He was looking to get rid of the ball. He didn't want to take a lick. And it seemed obvious to the fans. Now, in today's NFL, especially in the AFC West, with the pass rushes we have to face, you cannot be a one-dimensional quarterback. You got to you got to be able to move, maybe run some RPOs. You got to be able to make adjustments on the fly. Derek functions much better, and I have to blame a lot of this on McDaniel because Derek's success post 2016 seemed to be when he could come up to the line of scrimmage. And make changes based on what he sees, as opposed to sticking with the play. He had he needs to have the flexibility because he's a smart quarterback. He knows how to read defenses. He knows what players he's got, and he knows how to make those adjustments and call those uh, call those uh, uh, make those adjustments at the line of scrimmage to be successful. I don't think he has that with McDaniel, and I'm really I, I've heard you say about the plan, the plan, the plan. Uh, I'm really, in today's NFL, you look at the successful teams. You look at uh, at Hurts, uh, J- uh, Justin Fields, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Hebert. these This is a new type of quarterback now. The one-dimensional pocket pass of days are over. These defenses are too big, too strong, too fast. Uh, again, as a Raider fan, Derek will always be a Raider fan. And rest assured, when he comes back to Raider Nation, after his career for the Alumni Association, he's going to get the biggest ovation of any player that's coming out there. I believe that with all my heart. And I'm of the same faith that he is. So when he speaks, what comes from the heart reaches the heart. So I can feel where he's coming from. But it's just a new take. Now it's time to change. We move forward. I wish him much success. I'll cheer for him against anybody he's playing, unless it's the Raiders. But uh, but it's time to move on, and we'll see what it is. But a lot of pressure is not on the player, It's going to be on this organization. It's going to be on this coaching staff. And and instead of forcing players to fit your style, you got to develop a style that fits the talent that you have. And that's all i got to say about it, J.P.
1: Wow, really good phone call. Excellent phone call. You really summed that up at a high level. That's an outstanding sports radio call on every level about what's happened with Derek's career, where he's at, where the organization needs to be, the pressure of the organization to upgrade a quarterback or get it right. Yeah, you know, I agree with a lot of what you said. There's a lot on this table now. The Raiders have to, if you're going to let go of Derek Carr, you've got to have a plan in place. And I've told you the plan because I know the plan. I'm not saying you have to agree with where the plan is in your mind. I just tell you, I'm a portal to tell you what the plan is. Now the plan is to secure the money that would have went to Derek Carr and upgrade the entire team. The problem is they got to get a better quarterback, and a better quarterback costs more than Derek Carr even in this market. Unless you get a stud young player that's a home run player that you could develop very quickly. I mean, not we're not talking Jordan Love in Green Bay. We are talking about a player you can develop as quickly as Kansas City developed Mahomes. You know, Joe Burrow came in winning the Heisman Trophy, winning a national championship. Okay, taking that that level, you, you didn't have to worry about developing him. He he was a lock to be great. The Raiders at number seven do not have a lock. With that quarterback position, unless they move up. And if they get a quarterback at number seven who's outside the top two quarterbacks, that's still going to be a quarterback that was taken before, at number seven, before Ben Roethlisberger Hall of Famer and Patrick Mahomes Hall of Famer, Lamar Jackson on the pace for the Hall of Fame. So if they're going to go with the quarterback, they got to nail it. They got to thread the needle, a term I often use on the radio. It is hard to do that. It is hard to thread the needle, period. And they have no choice but to do it. And that's the pressure of the executives, the scouts, everybody involved with this team. The pressure Mark Davis lives under to try to win a championship in this market. It is not easy. Mike Florio at the bottom of the hour. That's a big interview. As it's now official that Derek Carr of the Raiders have parted ways. So we'll have more on this. Ian Rappaport, um, the, the comments that are being made on Chapter's timeline here. So we have a lot to gotta, we got to get to before Q comes up at the top of the hour. And Q's going to have a big show. We me get to Mark in Colorado. Mark, you're up next. Thanks for waiting. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, thanks, JT. So yeah. I agree with a ton of your sentiments, right? Um, Derek Carr, the person, the team representative over the period of time and the incredible amount of change he had to endure. I tip my cap to him. I'm grateful for his service of his time being. That doesn't take a pass on any of his play, which I like to categorize as 50% magic, 50% tragic when it's on the field. He can either light you up or he might curl up into a ball and suddenly take a sack because he can't feel pressure in the pocket. That's just his game, right? As much as he tries and as much as we loved him, that was just his game. I think today finally culminates one big thing that I think every regime before McDaniels has um, talked about, and that's culture change. It's it, it, they've always talked about changing the culture, but there's been one major figure, the representative of the team, that hasn't really changed, and they've had to deal with that. Thinking there's they're they're the they're the folks that can finally turn the corner with Derek Carr. Well, Ziegler and McDaniel's finally had the guts to do it and say, you know what, this just isn't working. Our standard is here. Mm-hmm. It's not pretty good. It's not we can make the playoffs every couple years. We want to take it to the next level, and I'm sorry, but. Derek Carr prove-it year, didn't prove it. <laughs> you know, so it's it, – and with the – and this is, uh, you know, this is uh, totally uh, understandable, but the emotional baggage that Derek Carr had to carry with all those regime changes and the craziness that was going on on and off the field and the move and everything, it was understandable that he would have that. But if you're going to change the culture – you gotta get rid of all those people with those emotional baggage. And I wish Derek nothing but the best. I mm-hmm. hope he does really well, except when he plays for you know plays against the Raiders. But it is what it is. And now they got a you know, a lot of cap space and they got a lot of opportunity to move forward and honestly it's just time and I'm looking forward to it.
1: Another good phone call. Appreciate your perspective on all that. it, it comes down to how you're gonna handle this going forward, what Derek gave to the organization, you thank him for that, and you move on and then it's gonna take time. You know, you're going to think differently about Derek Carr 2, 5, 12 years than you do today. You are. That's just the way life is. Sports is. That's the way politics is. Presidents. Presidents seem to all come out of office on a down note, most of them. And then you look 30 years later and they're making them out to be great. Derek didn't win in the playoffs. Uh, Derek does not have the ability outside the pocket that the elite quarterbacks have. But he's very good. And in this league now, you need a player. You just watch the Super Bowl. You just watched Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts' second-round pick like Derek Carr. Jalen's bigger, stronger, faster, more courageous outside the pocket. Derek made, I think, better throws and touch throws than Jalen Hurts. Period. Period. Derek threw a great ball. He threw a great ball when he had to. Touch passes were really good overall, but he didn't run a lot. And not running a lot in this era in football, You know, cost the Raiders a lot of first downs that would have been easy, not difficult, easy first downs if he was able to run on third and four, run on third and seven. I mean, Mahomes had two runs in the Super Bowl on a bum ankle. But I also know not to compare Derek Carr to Patrick Mahomes or Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady. And that's why it's difficult for the Raiders going forward because they need a quarterback. And whatever they're going to do, it's going to be hard to get a quarterback better than Tom Brady unless it's Aaron Rodgers. I mean, skill set. Aaron Rodgers is not more acclaimed than Tom Brady. But to get a player that you could build the franchise around going forward. Look, if Josh McDaniels had three or four years to develop C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young or some of the other quarterbacks, Robinson, were available, more power to him. I don't know what the timeline is. But I know Mark Davis is giving them a chance to get this right at the quarterback position. And the quarterback that was here who is now officially out wasn't up to the standard and as the caller said perfectly, no matter what you think of the head coach, his standard is very high at quarterback. Everybody should agree with that. Everybody should agree from working with Brady and winning all those playoff games and all those Saturdays and Fridays that he was working the entire postseason as other coaches were not working and were on the beach. He has a level of what the next quarterback has to be. Now you have to go out and get him. Joe in Vegas. Joe, you're up next if you're still there. Go ahead, Joe.
4: Yeah, I'm still here, JT. All right, I'm going to keep this pretty quick, okay? I agree. I think Carr spent his time here, nine seasons. Things didn't work out. But to sit there and bash this freaking dude the way people are, okay? You go back at the last ten Super Bowl teams, Mm -hmm. the last ten Super Bowl teams, Carr's defense since 2014, points per game, 32nd, yards per game, 30th. Sacks thirty second, interception thirty second, rushing touchdowns thirty first, passing touchdowns thirty first, fourth down thirty first. You show me, you tell me, one team that won the Super Bowl in the last ten years that had a defense like that? Oh, crow! There's not one freaking team that won a Super Bowl with shitty defense. I got to clean diners. up
1: your language. You can't use language like that. Well, yeah, I got to let you go because Bobby's got to dump you here. If they have that working, if that element works, so that look. When it comes to this, you're right. The defense has been atrocious for most of the time Derek's been here, and I've talked about it every show. Patrick Graham's got to figure out to take some of this forty million dollars via the draft and the money they're going to spend in free agency and upgrade this defense while getting a quarterback and deciding who they're going to keep. No doubt, I will never argue that point with you. Derek Carr played behind some bad defenses and some subpar offensive lines. He has. This year, he had the NFL's leading rusher, and he had the guy who led the league in touchdown receptions in Devontae. He didn't have Darren Waller and Hunter Renthro for most of the year. but most of the year, that hurt. This is not perfect. Derek Carr does not get the majority of the blame. We know that, but we're moving on to the next era of quarterback for the Raiders, and that's what we'll be focusing on this year the rest of the way. We're brought to you by Resorts World. Go check out Doghouse Saloon to gamble and watch sports inside the great Resorts World.
5: How dare you? How dare you suggest that Patrick Mahomes is better than Tom Brady ever was at his best? Right now, folks, Patrick Mahomes is better. I said this yesterday. I tweeted it last night. I'm sure some people don't like it, but I don't care. I believe it. I'll take Patrick Mahomes over any quarterback that's ever played the sport of football at his very best. I'll take Patrick Mahomes right now over any human being that ever played quarterback in the NFL at any point in the last 103 years at his best. I don't care who it is. Whatever name it, I don't care. I'll take Mahomes. Brady, I'll take Mahomes. Manning, Mahomes. Elway, Mahomes. Line them all up, and I'll take Mahomes right now.
1: That is the great Mike Florio, kind enough to join us from Pro Football Talk. And Mike, strong comments from you. Would you have said that if he went one and two and the Eagles held on to that double-digit halftime lead? What do you say to that?
5: No, because we are what we have accomplished or have failed to accomplish. And when Patrick Mahomes, for the second straight Super Bowl, the race is a double-digit lead to win the game. It was more dramatic last time. They were down 10 with seven minutes to play, and they found a way to win the game, which was far more incredible, but it was the same vibe. I remember sitting in the press box both games thinking, well, Chiefs aren't going to win. This is going the other way. It's the field inevitable, and then there's a moment where things turn around, and There wasn't really a moment in the first half. They were just lucky to only be down 10. It should have been 17 or 21. The Jalen Hurts fumble Mm -hmm. was a thing that helped the Chiefs keep it close. But when they came out in the second half, systematically go down the field on a 10-play, 75-yard drive, and score a touchdown to cut the margin to three. For me, the moment where I thought, holy crap, the Chiefs have a chance, and A.J. Brown alluded to this today, when they stopped the Eagles on that next drive, the Eagles had that really long drive. It started with what looked like another defensive touchdown, but it was properly overturned. When Nick Sirianni, the coach of the Eagles, sent out his field goal unit on fourth and six, I believe, from the Kansas City 15 and didn't go for it mm-hmm. and made it 27-21, that's that moment where if you're the Chiefs, you've got to be thinking, holy crap, All we need is a touchdown, and we're going to have the lead in this game where we should have been left for dead by the time Rihanna was doing the levels up and down thing during the halftime
1: show. Mike, you nailed that. I said it in real time. When I saw it, you got to take a shot on a 50 50 ball or not, not take a dangerous shot, but go to A.J. Brown. You got Devontae Smith. Try to get a score there with a manageable amount of time on the clock. And I've been dying to ask you as you saw it live and then watched it on tape how did Orlando Brown and the rest of that offensive line do so well? Because it almost felt to me that Philadelphia's defensive front ran out of gas. I mean, the edge rushes from Philadelphia were non-existent and a lot of fans are blaming the field conditions. Where do you stand on all that?
5: Well, look, the field conditions were the same for both teams and all players had to deal with the possibility of slipping and sliding and I don't know that the Chiefs offensive line in real time was able to adapt their play to take advantage of the fact that maybe guys couldn't get around the edge but they weren't getting pressure up the middle. They weren't doing anything. It's just You know, and and the Chiefs have been very good at correcting their flaws and upgrading where they need to upgrade. Two years ago in the Super Bowl loss to the Buccaneers in Tampa, Patrick Mahomes had turf toe that limited his mobility just enough so that the Buccaneers could get to him with four men. And the offensive line needed to be upgraded. So what did they do after that? They upgraded the offensive line. They addressed their issues and their offensive line dramatically better, Mahomes good enough that he could get enough separation, maintain enough distance away from those pass rushers. I mean, zero sacks for a team that needed, I think, four to tie and five to beat the all-time regular season and postseason record set by the 85 Bears, and they get shut down and shut out completely. That's a combination of Mahomes knowing exactly when to get rid of the ball, guys being open. That's the other side of it, too. And the Tyreek Hill departure and what it did in a positive way for that offense doesn't get enough attention because, yes, Tyree Hill is no longer in the mix, but there's no longer an expectation that the ball be thrown to Tyree Hill, a temptation to hold on to it just a little bit longer so Hill can break free and Mahomes can fire a 65-yard missile to him. You just run the offense now, and somebody's open, throw it. Somebody's open, throw it. Somebody's open, throw it. You get rid of the ball fast, you don't have to worry about getting sacked.
1: Mike Florio Jones's Pro Football Talk. The news earlier today, you know I'm in Vegas. The Raiders make it official. They move on from Derek Carr as an attorney, as someone who knows contracts, knew about what Derek had as leverage with the no-trade clause and the fact that it looks like Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels evaluated him and there was no way they were going forward with him. They looked at the money. They were not going to give him that type of money going forward as they need another quarterback and they got to rebuild the defense. Give me your big picture on this move, Mike.
5: Well. This goes back to when they signed Carter a new contract, and this happens, I don't know how many times a year, but guy signs a contract, leaks a favorable version, the agent does, of what the contract is to people in the media who just rush to Twitter with it and hype it up and praise the agent so they can continue the pipeline for more information to get a heads up before others have it. And then we get the real deal at some point after the fact. And we pick it apart, and we tell everybody what it means. And I remember getting the car deal after people were saying, oh, he signed a $40 million a year contract. Oh, Derek Carr, $40 million a year, $40 million a year. And I looked at it when I got the breakdown. It's like, oh, wait, oh, hang on a second. They can get out of this after one year, $27 million. They got until three days after the Super Bowl to pull the plug on this thing. So Josh McDaniels gets a one-year test drive, it doesn't look like a one-year test drive. It doesn't look like he's taking a season to decide whether or not he's the guy. But if he decides he's not the guy, he can move on for one year and $27 million, which is as reasonable as when the market is now $50 million a year set by Aaron Rodgers. So once they benched him, JT, once they pulled him off the field, I knew he was getting cut by today because – They didn't want to take a chance of playing him in those final two regular season games. And if he got an injury, that money would have become guaranteed completely if he couldn't have passed a physical before the day they cut him because it was already guaranteed for injury. That's why they put him in bubble wrap. That's why they didn't play him. And it was always pointed to him getting cut. And some people were trying to hedge. And, you know, I know people in the industry who were throwing out alternative theories. Maybe they would just keep him and try to trade him later cut him and count on someone else paying him as much or more until you offset the money you would have owed him. It was all pointing. The moment they benched him and sent him home, it was pointing to this. And there was no reason for Derek Carr to ever agree to waive his no-trade clause. Anybody who's going to trade for that contract and give the Raiders value, they're going to give him a better contract if they don't have to give the Raiders a pick. So now he goes to free agency, he gets to invite multiple teams to the table, and we see what happens. But he should end up, he should, end up with more than $40.4 million between this year and next year guaranteed right out of the gates. Um, and if he doesn't, then it means it doesn't matter if he didn't waive his no-trade clause. The Raiders were never going to get anyone to take on that contract.
1: Mike Florio, as we wrap it up. So, Mike, knowing that Tom Brady had a great relationship with McDaniels and Ziegler, he's gone into retirement. The Raiders have the seventh pick overall. And then if you look at what could happen with Jimmy Garoppolo, there's Aaron Rodgers, who's currently going dark, what do the Raiders do, going from 10 to 6 wins, wanting to move forward and elevate this team again in a division that has potentially three Hall of Fame quarterbacks? What do they do?
5: Well, first of all, Aaron Rodgers is not in the dark yet. He was on with Pat McAfee today, calling out the people who reported he was going into that closet yesterday. Hasn't done it yet, but eventually he's going to, and it's going to give him some sort of enlightenment on what he should do with his life. Not like the rest of it don't make bigger decisions, more important decisions to us, then whether or not we're going to make $60 million to play football for one more year. But that's his business. That's his prerogative. You take him out of the mix, I think, because I don't think he and Josh McDaniels would ever connect. I don't think Aaron Rodgers would take the kind of hard coaching that McDaniels learned by watching Bill Belichick. You know, these guys, when they leave Belichick, can say, we're going to be different. At the end of the day, how different can you be when you've got so much of your life with the same coach? You're going to pick up stuff by osmosis. You're just going to think that's the way it is. That's what I've learned. And hard coaching is part of it. I don't think Rogers is going to be the guy there. There's two names I'm watching. and It's not Jimmy Garoppolo either. Number one, will he try to trade for Mac Jones? Remember, at the end of the season, Bill Belichick was asked whether or not Mac Jones is going to be the starter for the Patriots next year. And instead of like rolling his eyes and, and, and harrumphing, he said he's proven he can play in this league. He didn't say Mac Jones is our starter next year. And Mac Jones... Did pretty well with McDaniels in 2021. The other guy to watch, a guy that McDaniels loved coming out of the draft in 2018, a guy McDaniels secretly worked out just days before the draft, even though the Patriots weren't in position to get him, and a guy that McDaniels got to stand on the sideline and watch come back from a 16-3 to deficit after two days with the Rams, Baker Mayfield. I'm keeping a close eye on him.
1: Mike, finally, you think this is a good fit new head coach for Kyler Murray in Arizona? I don't like his body language. I don't like the direction Kyler Murray's going in. They put that clause, work at the clause, and they took it out of the contract. This is a franchise on the brink right now. If they don't get this coaching and quarterback right, what do you think of that news?
5: I don't know enough about Jonathan Gannon's style. I haven't heard that he's kind of a hard-ass going to come in and take charge. They need someone like that to basically be the exact opposite of Cliff Kingsbury. I thought they were going to hire Brian Flores. He took that Vikings head coaching job or not head coaching job, excuse me, defensive coordinator job before the Cardinals made their final decision. I just don't know how attractive things are right now in Arizona, because you're going to be without Kyler Murray for half the year. You've got to get through to him and get him to become the absolute best he can be. And they hired a defensive coach. I I, look, there's some great defensive coaches out there, but if I have a franchise quarterback, the most important relationship is quarterback and whoever is coaching him. So if it's a defensive coach and the offensive coordinator is coaching him, if it goes well, what happens, JT? That guy gets tired to be a head coach somewhere else. Now I've got to find a new offensive coordinator. I would have wanted an offensive guy, frankly, to take over that relationship with Kyler Murray. But somebody with a track record, somebody who could get through to Kyler Murray and coach him to be his best. I mean, Sean Payton would have been perfect for that job, but you know, the question becomes, do you want to pay him? And there was a report that, or it wasn't a report, uh, Terry Bradshaw of Fox said that, that Peyton didn't want to work with him. But, but to me, I feel like the Cardinals are in a tough spot right now, and we may be back in this spot in two or three years where they're, they're starting all over again.
1: Mike, they made the handoff from Phoenix to Vegas for the Super Bowl. I was at Waste Management Open. I never saw anything close to that in a lead-up to a Super Bowl. Like Everybody in that town that was there looked at it and said, forget about the game. I want to be here. And then we're having the Super Bowl in Vegas uh, in less than a year. Your wrap-up, I didn't get a chance to sit down with you on Radio Row. What do you think from Phoenix, now the handoff to Vegas for the next Super Bowl?
5: Well, I remember after I got home from L.A. last year, I said I'm never traveling again. and A lot of it was <laughs> because well, it was the first time I'd really been anywhere since the pandemic. But, L.A. was not good for me. Phoenix was awesome. I haven't been to Las Vegas since 1986. I have a feeling it's wow. changed a little bit since then. So we're looking forward to going to Las Vegas. We, we, we learned something this year. Uh, because for me, being cooped up in a hotel room for nine days is not the way to do it. We found a reasonable house to rent. We're going to start looking for a place that we can rent out there for the week of the Super Bowl. Because when you're busting your ass on Radio Row, Mm -hmm. it is so nice to come back to a place that kind of begins to feel like home by the end of the week. So uh, it's going to be a fun adventure. I can't wait to go. we got a lot to do, a lot of living to do between now and then, but I can't wait to go to Las Vegas next year.
1: If I can help in any way, Mike, you know that. Let me know. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for doing this. Thanks,
5: pal. Anytime.
1: Mike Florio. Wow. Uh, That was pretty good on his analysis of the Derek Carr contract. If you're joining us late, Derek Carr, Now the Raiders part ways. That'll be the breaking news on SportsCenter tonight. And Derek, after nine seasons with the Silver and Black, will be moving on from the organization. Uh, Your reaction to that interview and what happens going forward with Derek? You know, you sit here, you come off the Super Bowl, and I talk to Bobby, and we have a quick meeting. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? I do this all the time. I journal. I'm a journal guy, and I write some notes here and there. And I can look back on that over the years. and, And the anxiety which I don't think I have much of, but the little anxiety I have in sports radio is what the hell we're going to talk about. You know, I got to pivot to the NBA. And the NBA is a mess right now. A mess. No one, everybody I talk to, the hell with the NBA. I don't care. The Lakers stink. The Warriors don't care as much. And we go, all right, I got to kind of move. I'm going to move to the NBA. It's my job in Vegas. I'm going to go to the Golden Knights and the Raiders. We are loaded on Raider Nation radio with content. There's gonna be so much with this Super Bowl coming here. How about Mike Florio? Did he say Bobby, did he say he hadn't been to Vegas since eighty six? Yeah, that's what he said. I mean I could see ninety-six when I came here and you and I met, or two thousand and six. It's twenty twenty three. He is the he is one of the elite NFL insiders by far. And he hasn't even come here to come visit and go to a concert. There's, so I, <laughs>
4: there's, there's going to be one hell of a case of culture shock when he gets here.
1: Yeah, I mean, wow. I I, commit. I mean, that's a, I was, I thought he was going to say, you know, J.D., I have been to Vegas in five years. I heard there's some new things, the Sphere Resorts World. I can't wait to see Allegiant Stadium. And I'm sitting here going, man, that almost knocked me down. Speaking of almost knocking me down, when we come back, tomorrow's a big day for me. Tomorrow is the 25-year anniversary of me meeting my wife at the center bar at the Hard Rock going into the Stones 25 years that's a big that's our anniversary happy valentine's day to all the ladies out there the moms everybody but tomorrow's my not wedding anniversary but bigger anniversary cuz it changed my life so bobby will have the stones locked up for our music tomorrow as we wrap it up next on the flagship of the silver and black
0: Sends Renfro in motion. Snap. Steelers bring four. Off the edge. In the pocket again. Fires down the field for Renfro. And it's intercepted by Sutton at the Steelers 30. Renfro laid out for it. Sutton beat him to the ball. And Pittsburgh
4: takes over on a pick.
0: We are talented, but talent doesn't mean wins. I've seen that firsthand in, in different years. And so, you know, when you look at it, you have to watch the film. You can't just throw something out there and say this or that, you have to watch it and know it and see it and make the corrections.
1: All right, so that's it for Derek Carr in the era. It's official. Uh, Waiting, we heard from Adam Schepter. Mike Florio just joined us live. If you didn't catch that, and as we take a look at the Raiders and the Raiders' announcement, I would assume that would come. And, again, the Raiders and their social media, when they put it out, they'll put it out here pretty quickly, I would assume. I don't know when, and Q will probably have that coming up when he jumps on. The air here in a matter of minutes here, so uh, it's it's kind of an it's a unique situation with Derek Carr coming here. I was here with Derek on the groundbreaking of both Allegiant Stadium, where I emceed that event, and emceed the groundbreaking of the headquarters in Henderson. And Derek was at both of those events and all the other uh, milestones in his career. I was there with my son when he broke his leg. I'll never forget that. And then 2016, I hosted the Derek Carr Show where he was 11-4. and four. He didn't play in that last regular season game that they won because he broke his leg, and we had a nice time on the radio. I believe I was the last guy to interview him on TV when he signed this recent contract extension. Uh, Derek didn't do a lot with us here anymore on Silver and Black Productions. He just didn't. We didn't get a chance to uh, get him on radio consistently or television, which, you know, that's him. That's what he wanted to do. Whatever, whatever got him to that point, I don't know what it was. But I'm going to step out of the way. I'm going to remember the times that we had a good conversation and I was rooting my tail off to have him win a game, a game that would make a difference. And a couple of the games he made big differences in, more than a few. Those fourth quarter comeback wins and there were games where the Raiders should have won that they didn't win. I think this year was a very difficult, difficult, difficult year because of the five second half won't say collapses, maybe you will categorize it that way, but the second half blown leads that Derek was a part of because the Raiders couldn't hold on to the football and move the chains and the defense could only hold up for so long. That had something to do with it. You know, Derek Carr went through a master class at quarterback. Master class with John Gruden and Josh McDaniels. Two of the most demanding and respected offensive minds in the history of this league. Oh, that is true. Andy Reid started with John Gruden. They're great friends still. They work together up the food chain. Okay, John Gruden's a Super Bowl champion and a really big mind when it comes to offense, teaching offense, developing players, talking offense. And Josh McDaniels is the only person ever to have six Super Bowl rings as an offensive coordinator or assistant on a team. So Derek went through all that. Demanding, demanding to work for those two and to be able to hang and talk with them and deal with their criticism and all of that. And I'm sure there were times where it wasn't pretty that we're not aware of. But he was evaluated and the evaluation is now over. And Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels believe it's time to move on and go in a different direction. So this will be a big story. If you weren't able to get into the show today, we'll give you an opportunity as always. The opportunity, the door is always open to talk about this. And we'll do that again tomorrow. And then we're going to get to the point where. We're going to wonder what's going to happen. Every day, we're going to wonder where the quarterback is, which is a really good topic for me. I think that's in my wheelhouse. i got a lot of connections around the league with radio hosts, insiders, guys like Mike Floria, who we just had on. And I'll ask them all the basic questions on what you think is going to happen. Because, again, I'm not spending this offseason talking about a backup cornerback. I'm not talking this offseason about a backup swing tackle. Got to get this quarterback right. And the Raiders are now on the clock. At the quarterback position, which is a maybe the biggest topic in the history of Raider Nation Radio, the flagship, when it comes to personnel. Not the business side of it, the stadium, the economic impact and all that. But when we just look at pure football and the roster, this is the big one coming up. The offseason and the Raiders at the quarterback position. Thanks to Bobby, Rick Spielman, Mike Florio. Q's going to join us next and uh, host a great show. And I'm going to be ready to go again tomorrow. Catch me tonight on Mad Dog Sports Radio, Sirius XM, 82 from 6 to 9 p.m. Have a great day. And some of the snow is still coming down here. Be safe on the roads.